Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. You might be a people pleaser if you tend to feel guilty when you do actually have the nerve to say no, if you tend to prioritize other people's wants and needs, even at your own expense, you tend to keep your mouth shut and not rock the boat, and you feel like it's never your turn. Well, I am here to tell you that it is your turn now and you are in the right place at the right time being exactly who you are because there's nothing wrong with you. People pleasing is just a habit that we get into to cope with various things that at one time in our life were way too stressful to deal with. And so much like a class clown will learn to tell jokes, we learn to please other people. And I say we, because I have been there. So I am here in this podcast every week as your guide to an inner journey of liberation. Join me for this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Welcome everyone to this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I'm super happy to bring to you today a really interesting guest who's going to have a lot to share with you uh, about how your people pleasing may be affecting you in the workplace and, and as an entrepreneur, as well as be open and vulnerable enough to share her own story with us, which we always value. So Stacey Mayer, I will let you introduce yourself to everyone. And I'm sure I'll have a million questions, but you start where you want to start and then we'll dive into more specifics. Oh, Brenda, thank you so much for having me. I have been thinking so much as I've actively been working on my own people pleasing this past year. And so I was so honored to be on this podcast. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yes. So let me start when I'm introducing myself, I want to start with where I'm headed. And this is definitely Mm -hmm. one of the techniques that I teach my clients as well, is that when we're talking about our own journey is to go forward and say what it is that our mission, what we want to accomplish and what drives us. And so I was really thinking about this and my mission is to double the number of women promoted to the C-suite each year worldwide. So if you have two women, if you have one woman in the C-suite right now, we're going to get two. <laughs> if, you have, okay. if you have zero, we're getting you there, right? And um, the ways that I do that is through my book that came out last year called Promotions Made Easy, a step-by-step guide to the executive suite. I also have group coaching programs like Executive Ahead of Time and the Leadership Table and my own podcast, Maximize Your Career with Stacey Mayer. Nice. Nice. I love that because God knows we need more people, more women in the C-suite, you know, and, and not just women, women who are aware, who are emotionally intelligent, who are leading from their own, um, both that combination of strength skills, all that kind of hard stuff, you know, hard skill stuff, and from their heart in a way that is emotionally healthy mm-hmm. and, and emotionally intelligent, which those things obviously go together. But I know so many people, especially women who have been really negatively impacted by, you know, frankly, white men, you know, the stereotype of the C-suite um, who have been, you know, super sexist. My daughter-in-law, when she fi- gave her notice from a company, this is a startup 
I'll just say, maybe for sake of uh, privacy, um, <laughs> a huge global company. Okay. Yeah. That everyone would recognize super successful for decades. Okay. Mm-hmm. And probably a hundred years. And they were doing a startup and she was in the marketing and PR department and her C-suite boss was so sexist and blocked her from being promoted so many times. She finally, of course, found another job and quit. And when she gave her notice, he specifically said he blocked her promotions <laughs> because he was threatened by her skills. Oh my gosh. So oh. I'm just like, like, how does this man even have his job? Like to me, it's just like, that shouldn't be allowed, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, thank goodness she had you for a mother, because I'm sure that you probably guided her along this path to be able to really re-engage with herself and to understand that she is not the problem. And I think yes. as people pleasers, that is inherently what's happening, right? Is that yeah. we, we internalize, and I say we, because I am one and I'm yeah. still actively working on this, is sure. that we internalize. That's the place we go first. What did I do wrong? How can I mm-hmm. fix this? And I think the more that we can understand this systemic behavior, because even for your daughter, it's like, I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying yeah. to change him. I'm going to also, maybe it's something I did to create this behavior in him. Right. And so we yeah, just work harder to fix if it. If I did it differently, yes, exactly. respond differently. And this mm-hmm. is what, and so many people I coach in through their um, romantic relationships, because in so many ways it all crosses over, right? Whether it's work, I think, especially work and romance, you know, like same thing, use different words. Um, <laughs> and so that idea that, oh, if I had approached that differently, if I had said that differently, if somehow I could have anticipated something, yeah, then I, he, or, you know, not that it's always a man, but whoever the other party is would have behaved differently instead of really leaving them in the responsibility zone for their own behavior. And then it is not, it is not because of me. Yeah. And then we can also say, what would we do differently? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm working with a woman right now and I I call it flat out PTSD, right? So she has full on PTSD from her previous toxic environment, her previous boss and all of this stuff. And when you can really name it and you can say, okay, this is actually trauma. And then you can start to do something about it. But then the question becomes, what would I do differently? And this is what I keep reminding her is what you're going to do differently is you are not going to stay in it as long as you did. Right. So what she did is she kept trying to fix it. Right. Like that kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. And so when what the approach that I take to promotions and why I call them easy promotions made easy is because what we're doing is essentially the reflection of entrepreneurship. We're owning our career. Our company does not own us but we think they do. Right. And Mm -hmm. so we feel like we have to fix the situation that we're in. But when we start to take an entrepreneurial attitude to our career, then Mm -hmm. we realize that we are the empowered one. Right. And so then we can course correct a lot sooner. And sometimes it doesn't mean leaving the company could mean leaving the group. It could Mm -hmm. mean all kinds of different options for you, but getting that perspective to realize that you are not the problem, right? It is not something, this is not even your job to fix. And so when, 
you know, I talk about doubling the number of, of women voted to the C-suite. And there are a lot of amazing, amazing DEI experts and people who are working with corporations very directly to open up their C-suite to be more aware. And mm-hmm. I am just not even going there. I am mm-hmm. looking at the woman herself. Like, you know, it's like, get your daughter into a room and I will talk to her about how we're going to get her into the C-suite and it's not going to be at the place that doesn't respect us, right? We're going to create the path of respect. We're going to, we're going to own that respect. And that's the step-by-step process to getting promoted is that we become that executive ahead of time. We understand who we need to be at that executive level. So when we get there, we can soar. Yes. And so I don't know that she would use any of the words that you just used. Yeah, yeah. I would have described her process in those words, but I love the words you used. And I think that's exactly what she did, which is why she was able to leave, find another position that really, you know, she's several months in, but really honors and values everything she brings to the table instead of fighting it and, you know, dumbing it down so she doesn't, you know, shine too bright kind of a thing. Because I think, and I'm curious what you think about this. I find like one of the ways that I feel like my work is maybe a little different than some, I mean, there's a million life coaches out there, but um, I am very clear with the people I'm working with. And I think I communicate it pretty clearly through the podcast that even though it's easy to look at our lives and find the pressure points, the stress, the things that aren't working right, and be identify that with the relationship, the person, the job, the whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are others. Those are outside of ourselves. And even though we may, in fact, very well need change in that external environment, the real path there is an internal journey because if I just go get another lover or husband or, or wife, job, yeah, or exactly. job <laughs> find another C-suite I can report to, they may, and I haven't done my inner work, I am going to keep repeat in some way. It may look completely different on the surface, you know, whatever, but you get in there and a few months in or have whatever long it takes, you're like, waking up in the same bad dream again. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious about if it seems like you uh, agree with that idea, um, but I'd love to have you expand on it and how you help clients do that so that they're not just trading one nightmare for the other. Oh my God, totally. So one of the things that fueled my um, starting of my own company was because so many women that I met so many entrepreneurs when I started out that were like, wow, I wish I knew you when I was in corporate. I wish I, you know, because I think we have this black and white thinking, right? Which Mm -hmm. is that we either bow down, do what they say we're going to do. We put up with the crap. We work in it and and corporate gets such a bad rap. Like, you know, it's like this corporate, it's hard. It's this, we have to lose ourselves. We can't have purple hair, you know, it's like whatever (laughs) that is. We can't be ourselves. Right. Or we can quit. Right. That's it. Those are our two choices. Yes. And absolutely not. And I think what you're speaking to, to the internal work, that's the middle way. Right. And I teach the middle way. And so sometimes 
Okay. So let me give another example because I, I love your daughter already. And I can tell she's an amazing woman is that I would actually say, stop focusing on your boss. Your boss is clearly not your sponsor. Your boss is clearly not part of your journey as a career woman. He is not your supporter. So once we stop focusing on the toxic person or the thing that is causing this pain and suffering, then we have options, right? Then she can come back to herself and say, what do I really want to do? And then in terms of the corporate environment, like if that person is not your sponsor and you're spending 80% of your energy on that person, you're still not going to get promoted, right? And he Mm -hmm. flat out told her why, but you know, there's other people at the organization that you can start to build relationships with. And those people are going to have so much more power over your career anyway, because they already like you for exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the number one thing. The other thing is in, in inside of my book, and for whatever reason, I saved it for chapter 11, but I also <laughs> think that means that it's my, um, it's my second book. So when you write a book, you you're like, what's the next one already, you know? Yes. And so I think it's because, um, it's actually one of the most important pieces, which is that is this idea of failing ahead of time. Right. And so now I'm going to take it back to sort of the people pleasing a little bit. And so what are this like micro ways that we fail ahead of time as women? So we say, we'll see, or, um, you know, I'm going to try. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You get it. Right. And so what we're doing is we're protecting ourselves ahead of time for failure, right? So we actually have this mixed idea in our heads that if we say we'll see, or I'm just going to try, then we'll feel better when we don't get the promotion. Yes. Right. And, And actually whenever have we yeah. felt better when we didn't get the promotion? Like we never feel better, right? We right. don't like go, oh, well, because I said, we'll see, then I didn't set my expectations it so high, right? As if it would help. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I would say is I, I coach them to want it, right? To really own their value and see, here's what happens. And this is, this is that, um, what I call authentic power, right? Mm -hmm. This is when you actually become more authentic at work. So who is the woman that shows up and just like, I actually had this just happen this week where a woman was passed over for a promotion and her boss, uh, not her boss, because her boss is the one who passed her over. Her boss's boss checked in with her, right? He's like, are you okay? And she said, yeah, I'll be fine. And I was like, no, no, like look at him and be like, this is not fine. Yes. You know, and it's the people pleaser in us that just goes, that actually undermines and we're being less authentic and we can feel it. It hurts almost like, it's like, that was not me. Who is me? Me is very powerful. Me is actually the woman that takes a deep breath and just says, you know, I am disappointed. I actually, I did these things. I am an asset to this company. And I really feel like I was ready for this promotion, right? And so it's this idea of why do we sort of undercut our value and undercut our ability to truly want, Mm -hmm. you know, and really go for it. And if we're really going for it too, we're not going to focus on that, that uh, person that's like not even cool to us, right? We're going to go for it by like getting our power and putting the pieces together and figuring out who our allies are. Yeah, I like, and you used this word a few minutes ago, I love uh, what that feels to me is that, that idea of owning the, mm-hmm. you know, I love that word owning, owning who we are, 
all of who we are, which means we also know the things that we're, you know, not that great at or aren't in our wheelhouse or whatever, not as if we need to lead with those, but, you know, but we know that there's not the the sort of egoic cover up that is puffery that nobody mm-hmm. likes. You know, I just know mm-hmm. all the things I'm so, let me tell you all the things I'm so good at. There's so many of them. Hope you have time, you know, <laughs> like nobody wants that. But when a person is really owning who they are, that has that authentic ring to it where I can say, I know I am a really good coach. In fact, I can say I've not had a client that I couldn't facilitate their journey into wherever they wanted to go. And sometimes they change their minds as they go, right? But as long as I have a client who wants to cultivate self-awareness and wants to focus on themselves to do the journey, right? Like, so that person that all they want is the new husband, the new boss, the new whatever, they're not my ideal client. And I probably would not have success with them. Um, but I te- I can usually, you know, discern that pretty quickly in a conversation with somebody. And so I can, without apology, and this has been hard for me. And so I'd love to hear how this, fi- I'm sure this feeds in. I mean, you've already addressed it some, but you can be more specific. Um, That has been hard for me instead of just like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a good coach. You know, I need, I need to be with my ideal clients or whatever. It's so different than the energy behind what I feel now, which is this empowered sense of owning without apology, what I'm good at. And Mm -hmm. the, the truth is I'm a fucking great coach. I need you to be ready to do the inner work and want to have that awareness, want to have the growth. I'm not going to convert you or, you know, like that's not my style. So that won't work. And with those two things in agreement, we will get where you want to go. So that I would imagine in the promotion made easy part, there's, that's a big element of it. How much does that really have to play in that equation? Yeah, absolutely. I always say that your organization needs you more in the C-suite than you need them. And I just play with that. Right. And so even if you don't believe that now, right. And you're sort of like, well, you know, well, this person, or maybe I need to get my MBA or maybe I need to do this first. Right. Even if you don't believe it yet, Mm -hmm. be willing to ask yourself, how is that true? Right. And really start to explore from within. Is that a possibility? And here's something else that I want to share. I encourage all of the women that I work with to own their C-suite title. And what happens is one of two things. So first of all, their first reaction is, well, you know, I'm not really that ambitious. Right. You know, it's like I have these other priorities or this or that. So then they, of course, downplay their abilities and what they're wanting. And and I'm like, nope, we're going to own it. And then you could say, well, maybe they really don't want to be in the C-suite, right? Because there's truth to that. And not everybody needs to be in the C-suite. And so I'm still encouraging them to own the C-suite because here's what happens when they decide to own it. And if they're real, like their truth, their clarity, not the person that's like, "Eh, I'm not ready, but Mm -hmm. the truth Mm -hmm. says no to that. Now they can live a fuller life. Right. Because because what we're doing is we're playing in the middle. We're not owning our C-suite abilities. 
And so Mm -hmm. then what we're doing is we're just sort of saying, yeah, I keep getting passed over or they don't appreciate me. Right. But when you own it, Mm -hmm. you might actually see that what you really want to do is start your own business. Right. And I've had women join executive ahead of time. And by the end of executive ahead of time, they're like, Stacy, I'm quitting. I'm quitting my job. This is not what I expected, but I'm quitting because the clarity, the truth is so clear. Once you push that envelope, you're like, where are you really headed here? Why are you working? What are you working towards? And then you can say, not this. It's so powerful. Right. And or this, like either way, it gives you an anchor and you can go for it. So this makes me think of two things that are kind of different. So I'll, I'll mention them both so we can circle back to, we'll start with one and then go to the next. Um, so I'm curious because you've mentioned entrepreneurs several times. Of course, you are one as well now. And so one of the things that I observe with other online entrepreneurs I know is that these same things prevent them from entering their own C-suite when there's actually no one else to fill that role, right? If I'm the entrepreneur, I've got to be my Mm C-suite. And so I'm curious how that, you know, your take on that. And then maybe before we go there, I want to just restate what you just said, which is, and of course, I'm going to use my own words. So tell me if I... I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think part of what I heard you just say is that it's really only when we own something or give ourselves permission is maybe another way to look at it to be in that C-suite. It could be anything, have a baby, not have a baby, be an entrepreneur, not be an entrepreneur, stay married, stay single, whatever the thing is. Until we really give ourselves permission for it or for its opposite, kind of depending on the way you're thinking about this. In other words, if I'm thinking about having children, of course, I know there's a huge cultural pressure Mm -hmm. or idea that all women want to have children, you know, and even for the guys that they should want to with their, you know, partners, whatever, um, And so it's very easy to just go on that trajectory. And until I really give myself permission to say, no, I get to say, I don't want to have children. Yeah. Maybe I feel that, oh, but actually I don't really want to miss out on that. When I was just feeling kind of the pressure to have children, all I could see was that I didn't want to, but I couldn't do that kind of a thing. Yeah. I think when we own that, when we allow ourselves, what you're to put it back in the C-suite, when we allow ourselves to own, I could be the CEO, it might also give us the clarity that actually we don't want to be the CEO and give us the clarity on what we actually want. Yeah. Too many words in your mouth. No, not at all. That is totally it. And this is why I go for the C-suite because a lot of the women that I'm working with are senior directors, directors, maybe VPs, but what's happening for them is they're, they are, 
they did just do the career ladder. Right. Mm -hmm. And so at some point they just kind of kept growing. And a lot of them were really great at their job, you know, really amazing subject matter experts, but they were good people, people. So they were like, got promoted to manager, but they never really chose that path. And so then, then what I'm wanting them to do is to start to choose it. Right. And so when we go for the C-suite, that kind of really shines that light on it where it's like, Whoa, if I was going to be a CFO, uh, what would have to happen? And a lot of times what they realize is I need to be in a more supportive environment. If I'm going to be CFO, it's not here, right? Or if I'm going to be CFO, then I need to, and I would absolutely love to share with you my own, um, people pleasing thing that came up last year with, um, with, uh, you know, putting myself out there more with my book coming out and and everything. And it it just really triggered that CEO in me. And I was like, whoa, some change needs to happen here. Um, but that, yeah. So can I share that with you? Tell us that. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. So you've heard about, uh, that, you know, we can't please everybody. Right. So it's like this idea of, um, of really, um, being comfortable with like, I don't know, making people mad or something, right? Like if you're going to put yourself out there online or in social media, you're going to get pushback and you're going to get haters and all this stuff. You have to kind of be comfortable with that. And, and I was just like, well, I, you know, I don't spend a lot of energy in that place because I actually really, uh, it sounds terrible. And I'm just like, oh my God, what, you know, I don't know if I want a business, if people are DMing me hate mail every day. Right. Right. So it's like, I was just like, I don't know what this even means to me. But here's where the um, here's where the real truth came to me is as part of the book launch, I've been doing a lot more talks and podcast guesting and different things like that. And I did this big talk that I was so proud of and and it, it, it just just really um, warmed my soul. And I thought the talk went great. And then at the end, um, it ended. And that was that. And uh-huh. I was like, Oh, well, I, I don't feel elated. I don't feel happy. I I'm like, why do I kind of feel sad? And, you know, I was like disappointed. And I was like, I didn't get any hate mail. (laughs) Nobody emailed me and told me that it was terrible. All right. And here's where the realization came in. Nobody emailed me and told me it was amazing. Mm. Nobody emailed me and told me how great I was. Nobody like did anything. It just happened. And I realized that my desire to please people was keeping me stuck because I, at the end of this talk, instead of saying, what's next, where can I go? I'm like, why didn't they, why didn't I get something? Why didn't I, you know, was that good enough? Right. And so instead I just said to myself, well, if I'm going to be a CEO and I'm going to be putting myself out there, what I also need to not worry about is yeah. the applause. Yeah. It's not just about not, not worrying about the, the haters. Yeah. <laughs> it's like also not worrying about the applause. So why yes. am I doing this? What is, and that's why I le- led with my mission in my bio. This is no longer, this work is not about me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's about the impact that I'm making and who I'm helping and serving. And so as an entrepreneur, that was a big CEO moment for me was I am running a yeah. business. I am creating change in people's lives. And that also might not mean consistent applause. <laughs> yes, I think that's so true. But your point is so well made in that as people pleasers, we're so driven and motivated and often really the foundation of our self 
concept, I'm going to say, instead of mm-hmm. self-esteem, because I don't think this is true self-esteem. It's a false perception of what self-esteem is. My concept of myself is based on what other people think of me. Yep. Have I made you happy enough? Have I made your life easier? Have I made, you know, whatever, have I done my job really well? Have I, you know, whatever contributed to the team, have all the things. And that when you're the foundation of your quote unquote worthiness, Mm -hmm. you know, your own self-perception of how okay you are is based on other people and what they think about you, then we're a hundred percent vulnerable to both applause and haters because I'm just hoping to collect the applauders because then I can feel good about myself. But if I attract haters, like having a very public persona as an author or online, you know, presence at all, then sooner or later, somebody hates purple hair or how could I be as old as I am and doing, you know, whatever, you know, wearing a short skirt or, you know, all the things that people get off on in social media being negative. And so the whole, like I've had clients that came to me, did my typical three month session package with nine sessions in it. And they think they're working on whatever the problem is, you know, that they think. And really what it is, is that they're always seeking that external validation. Mm -hmm. And what we end up doing in our time together is turning that so that they can create the inner validation that is where all the freedom lies. Because the only way you could get there was to be able to turn, and part of that owning the C-suite, all of that is about an inner validation that is more important than an external validation. A hundred percent. It's so, 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 so good. I just, yeah. yeah. And it really opened up because I realized that as we grow as either entrepreneurs or executives, that we can't we cannot control what other people think. And so when we're individual contributors and sort of like our, we're getting paid for our hours and the work that we do, we can kind of control it. It's like we hit some deadlines, like, you know, we feel good because we put out a fire in the middle of the night and nobody else could do it. So it's like these dopamine hits of, Mm -hmm. you know, giving a talk and everybody applauses and you're so great. Right. But really, and the most successful people are the ones that just change that self-concept as you put it, the people who really start to own their authentic power and they understand their own inherent value. And now they're just serving, right? They're just putting things out there and, and it, without the, the illusion of control and how is this going to turn out and what's going to happen. And, you know, that's becoming the executive ahead of time. This is why my process is the executive ahead of time, because we're learning how to love ourselves and as an executive and to really own that um, ability to lead at that higher level. Yeah. So let's, that's a perfect place to now circle back to that other question I had, which is that connection of when an entrepreneur is Mm -hmm. actually struggling also Mm -hmm. really own the C-suite within them. And so they're resistant to stepping into that place of inner and outer 
because mm-hmm. if I'm a solo entrepreneur or have a real small team, I mean, unless I'm so big, I'm hiring a CEO because, which I totally admire the people that do because mm-hmm. they know that those skills are not really in their wheelhouse, what they're good at as coaching or what they're good at as art or, you know, whatever. And so they need to hire that, but, but we start small. Right. So how do I, as an entrepreneur, and maybe the process is really no different, what would be a sign to you that an entrepreneur is not owning their own internal C-suite? Um, so <laughs> not, to, not to put you on the spot, of course, guys, these are no, this is actually no questions ahead of time. <laughs> no, this is this is totally good because I'm going to go back to why I started this okay. business. So for years, I worked in women's leadership in Silicon Valley. I actually I, it's sort of my working my way up from the mailroom story where I was like I was stuffing binders for this organization. And I was like, I really want to be a coach, you know, and I aspired to be that. And then I had to ask, I had to literally ask for it. And I did, and I got my courage. And then she said, yes, she would groom me. And then I got my certification and all of these really cool things. So I was working for this women's leadership organization and we were working. Now this is going to be a, a, you know, a kind of like blow your mind situation. We were working on the inner work. We spent a lot of time working on imposter syndrome. We spent a lot of time working on taking risks, speak up more, be bolder, right? Yeah. And they still didn't get the promotion. They still didn't have the money. And so here's where I think the funny thing is, and this is why, I mean, it's going to flip your head since we've been talking about self-concept and inner work so much is that my big red flag with entrepreneurs is when they're working so much on how they feel before they put themselves out there, when they're working so much on the inner work. And then I honestly, I'm like, are you making money? Are you closing sales? Yeah. Because for me personally, I've always been passionate. I've always been driven. I, I love like I was meditation and yoga and feeling better. And I actually spent a shit ton of time not making any money, <laughs> like, yeah. lot, like no money. And when I had to get real and ask for the sale and stop talking, when mm-hmm. I had to own that worth. And so this is the, this is why I started my business is because I was like, you know what? I want women to get promoted and get paid. Okay. Yes. And so the person, the person, now we come back to inner work, the person you have to be to just sit in your own worth to say, I want the money, you know, yes. in, in, in entrepreneurial world. The thing, the red flag is when the people are just really not putting themselves out there. They're not asking for the sale. They're not making, they're like, I did 150 ish sales calls in the first year of my business. Uh Like I was just like, I forced myself to make money at this. Yeah. And so when you own that, you are a million dollar coach, how are we going to get to be a million dollar coach? That would be the equivalent of the C-suite, right? Like a million dollar coach, even if you don't even want that, right? It's the same kind of deal we've been talking about. When you say, I want you to look and be like, how am I going to be a hundred thousand dollar coach this year? How am I going to be a $50,000 coach this year? I am going to do the inner work. Of course. I mean, that's all there. And then I'm also going to I'm also going to ask for the sale. I'm also going to make yes. offers. And, um, and so that, that, that's just kind of what it's like, show me the money. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love that so much because part of how I describe my work is very, I use various words with various audiences, but this idea of all this inner work, which also has a very, to me, spiritual component 
Um, but whatever words you like to put on that, some that it's that inner journey and there's something bigger than me somewhere in the universe that I want to tap into and all that. But I don't want to leave anybody there. I've done some really fantastic leadership training on the um, on emotional intelligence specifically. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that the people I teach it to love it so much is because I'm not just giving them these ideas of leadership and, and, you know, um, self-awareness and how to, you know, man, it's not just an idea. I can't leave it there as a lofty idea or concept. I have to bring it into the practical. So when people come to me and coach with me, even though it's an inner work, we make the external changes, adjustments, whatever, because I don't want to leave you swimming in some sort of ethereal navel gazing or something. So I love that. Like, I want you then to be able to ask for the sale, whatever that means in your life, you know, Mm -hmm. leave the boyfriend, leave the toxic relationship, get a new one, get a change, like whatever it is, the external matters. Mm -hmm. And if we chase the external without the internal, it's not sustainable. Even if we have a great moment and we land the job, then all the imposter syndromes, you know, and sabotages stuff. Um, so I love that. And I feel like that it's such a perfect way to sort of wrap up our time together to really keep in, um, I'm thinking integrity, but the, in the way that not like the tr- telling the truth versus telling a lie, integral. That mm-hmm. it is that inner and out, the combination of that inner and outer work that keeps our structure sound, right? Like an airplane has to be structurally sound to fly. It's not just the engine. It's not just the pilot. Like there's a, a million other pieces in that airplane that create that integrity, mm-hmm. but then allow those pieces, the engine, the pilot, the, you know, all the things to get it off the ground. And that to me is the bal of what happens when we do both mm-hmm. the inner work and the outer work so that we can really show up in the world with all of our best uh, skills and abilities and the being us that we are the, who, you know, the, who we, who we are. So um comment on that if you want, because that was a big mouthful. And then I'd love for you to, you know, just sort of wrap us up with any sort of nugget or juicy thing you would like to leave the audience with as we wrap up this episode. And of course, everybody in the show notes, you're going to have all kinds of ways to connect with Stacy, get her book, uh, listen to her podcast. All the things will be in the show notes. Oh, wonderful. I, I love that. So I think The thing that really comes to mind in what you're speaking about is authentic power. And I've mentioned Mm -hmm. those words a couple of different times. And Mm -hmm. when I have interviewed executives for my podcast, and especially 
um, underrepresented executives, it's like always, what were your secrets to success? And Mm -hmm. they would say, I had to own my authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, what does that mean exactly? Right. Because in a corporate world, right. Like being authentic can like get out the door, right. Too much authentic here. We don't need all that. So I was like, really have been thinking a lot about what does that really, really mean? And when they start to describe it, what they're saying is authentic power. Mm -hmm. Right. And so what we have to do is how do we get to a truly powerful place where we can have power with, I say power with not power over. Yes. Right. Power over is the thing that you're talking about rising the corporate ladder. And then we just tell other people what to do. And then that's just like, we created a life that doesn't make any sense for us, but power with, and when it's authentic power, you're actually owning who you are as a corporate badass, as I call them, who you are as an exceptional leader, as a person that deserves to be in this role, that is going to ask for help, that is going to ask for more, right? That yes. is going to say, you know, this title is not commiserate with what I deserve, right? And and, yeah. and not even with what the, what the world or the rest of the company or whatever is doing, right? And so- I think that if we look within and we say, what is our authentic power and what is really true to us, it might be that it feels more powerful to make more money, to make more offers, to really be changing people's lives. It might be more powerful to say no to a few projects, to actually pull back, to say, this is my time to be sick, to take care of myself, to replenish, right? Mm -hmm. But- whatever choices we're making, we're making bold decisions about our life. And that is so powerful. That will always be our guiding compass. We'll always know what we're, what is off and what feels more genuine to us, even if it's to ask or it's to move on. Right. So it's, um, that that's, that's what I heard and what you were sharing. And I think that's a good place to leave everyone. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the way you articulated that because I think it was really, really beautiful and so spot on. So thank you, Stacey, for being with me and for um, sharing all your wisdom and all the goodness that you bring. So thank you so much, Stacey. Thank you, Brenda. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Here's my invitation to you. Keep loving yourself enough to stay on this inner journey of liberation. And the good news is you don't have to do it alone. None of us do. So I hope you will continue to connect with me. I would love to have you post a five-star review on whatever podcast outlet you listen to the episode on today. New episodes come out every week. You can find me on Instagram at Brenda Florida Coach on Clubhouse as B Florida. You can click the link in the show notes for my free resources and other information. And last but not least, you can book a connection call with me and we can explore whether or not now might be the right time and whether or not I am the right coach for you to help you on your journey of liberation. I can't wait to connect with you.